Halloween has passed and we're headed into November. With the holiday for all of you spooky freaks behind us, let's take a look back and decide our winner for the costume contest from those of you that attended Michelle Travis's legendary Halloween party. Amy Bushnell adorned herself in her holiday usual, a little slip paired with matching cat ears. Todd Gammons attended dressed as one of the creepiest Pennywises I've ever seen. Emily Crawford saved us all as one fierce Kim Possible. But I think the win goes to a partygoer dressed as our very own Midwestern Milwaukee cannibal, Jeffrey Dahmer. And who was the man behind the disguise? None other than Chris Cage. Welcome back, Lakers. Now, you may not have heard from me for a couple of weeks, but I haven't been sitting idly by. Adelaide is still missing, and my hunt to find her continues. Last time you all tuned in, I ended our episode discussing how our dear, sweet, angelic Adelaide may have been mixed up in some pretty dark shit with the devil himself. Once I considered that Chris may have been working for Adelaide and not the other way around, I decided to do my homework on a couple of Chris's more well-to-do Chicago clients. That particular psychiatrist that I have on video buying one of Chris's deals is a pretty well-off guy. The average pay for a psychiatrist in the city is about $230,000 annually. The man lives in Winnetka, Illinois, number 10 on the list for America's 100 richest places on Bloomberg's website, and is just a 35-minute drive from the city. Let me tell you, this dude is shady. He's been involved in a couple of personal scandals with his ex-wives, one of whom was his third mistress. Even more, over the years, a few of his patient files have gone missing. Police looked into it and decided that he wasn't responsible, but I'm not too convinced. He has a hard time keeping eye contact and seems like he's always on edge about something. Maybe I'm speculating, but we'll call it a hunch and see how it all pans out. Mr. Psychiatrist also has four kids and is currently married to his fifth wife, so I'm thankful that he doesn't specialize in relationship therapy because that would be a disaster. Ultimately, the guy piqued my interest, and I'd hope that he'd be more willing to talk to me about his business with Adelaide than to some cops. So, while you all were partying it up at Michelle's Halloween Spectacular, I hopped on a train and went to Winnetka to pay dear Mr. Psychiatrist a visit. On the train ride, I had some planning that needed to be done. I knew I wanted to go down and offer to take over his business, but I wasn't sure if I should actually deal for him or not. I thought about it. I know some people that would be able to get me what I needed while flying pretty low under the radar, but I knew that if I could get a lead to where Adelaide went, I'd eventually have to go to the cops, and to avoid going to jail, I should probably keep what I'm doing legal. Anything I would offer him would be false, just a security blanket to make him feel safe and like his needs would be met. When the train arrived, I grabbed a bus and got as close to his neighborhood as I could. From there, I started walking. I was able to catch him while he was out trick-or-treating with his kids. It was luck, really. Actually, I ran into him by mistake. I was walking through his neighborhood when I recognized him as the man from the picture on the psychiatrist facility's website. I quickly fished $5 out of my pocket and told a kid about 10 years old to come run to me with a piece of candy in five minutes. They looked like a picture-perfect family, as his kids walked up to a house that from the outside, you can just tell, hands out king-size candy bars. I walked up and introduced myself as a neighborhood kid taking my little brother out to trick-or-treat. Yeah, that was him in the adorable Batman costume. I told him he looked familiar, probably saw him on a local commercial or something, and when he acknowledged that he actually was on a billboard for the facility, I perked up. 
I told him I had a friend who was in trouble. She was having weird dreams and I thought she needed help. I'd heard her parents talking in their living room about sending her to Chicago because there's a psychiatric facility there with a doctor her dad had gone to high school with. Maybe it was him. When he asked me who my friend was, I pulled up a picture of Addie on my phone. And let me tell you, his face went as white as the dress his daughter wore for her Princess Leia costume. In a hushed breath, he asked me what I wanted, and I told him I wanted to strike a deal. Adelaide would no longer be able to offer a supply for his demand, and I wanted to acquire his business. He was reluctant at first, and I don't really blame him. A stranger walks up to him on the street with Adelaide's picture and says they're taking over her business with him. I have to admit, that sounds a little shady. But after reminding him that now that Adelaide was detained for the time being, I would be the only one to supply his fix. Right on cue, the kid in the Batman costume ran up to me waving a king-size Snickers in his hand, almost as if he actually knew that Snickers is my favorite. At this point, Mr. Psychiatrist had gotten the point that I wasn't really from Winnetka, but the kid was for good measure, just to toy with him further. Upon my suggestion, he agreed to meet me for coffee so we could work out the logistics. I smiled and walked away, pulling the kid with me by his shoulder. After a couple of minutes of walking, I thanked him for his help, and can you believe it? The little sucker offered me that damn Snickers bar. But I smiled and took it. I guess I was kind of thankful for some odd sense of normalcy in this whirlwind of trying to solve Addie's disappearance. So, I walked to the bus station, found a bus, and booked a room in the cheapest motel I could find. A red roof in in Deerfield. The room was nice enough. It had internet and a bed. That's all I would need. The next morning, I met our dear psychiatrist at Café Florette, and we began to conduct our business. He was curious about what happened to Adelaide, but I didn't tell him that she went missing. Only that she was unavailable to do business until further notice and asked me to take over her clients. In our business, we agreed that virtually nothing would change. He would pick up his product whenever his business would take him near Graham. Apparently, he participates in a lot of psychiatric conferences that, I don't know, maybe they're based out of Detroit. I didn't really ask. The only change was that his supplier was no longer Adelaide. Actually, I take that back. I also took the liberty to cut Chris Cage from the operation. I want to aggravate him. If he knows something about what happened to Addie, then if I drain his main source of income, maybe he'll do something that will flag him as a true suspect in her disappearance. Upon the agreement, Mr. Psychiatrist and I shook hands, and I boarded a bus to the train station to come back to Graham. It's only been a couple of weeks since Chris has been out of funds, so I don't expect him to be too antsy just yet. But I have to admit, it's fun to play with them. Chris has always held some kind of authority over much of this school, and I'm relishing in the act of holding some of my own power over him. I think that for now, we're in a waiting game. As much as I hate to admit, my sources are dwindling. Addie really did disappear without much of a trace, and I think the best place to continue is right here in her business with Chris. Addie, if you're out there listening, we want to know. Where are you? And do you even want to be found? Next time on Breathe. Police have confirmed that a body has been found in the Lady of the Lake school parking lot. At this time, authorities cannot confirm who the deceased is, but will disclose that information after the family has been notified.